Welcome to the Crossway Podcast, a podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and with me is my great friend, my co-host, Joshua Fowler. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry League and also Goodwood Church of Christ and Holly Hill Church of Christ. We're glad you're here. Well, good morning out there in uh, Facebook land. If you're uh, joining us live, it's good to see you. Glad you've uh, chosen to be here. Um, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan's got his hands full this morning, which uh, I certainly don't mind. I wasn't counting on it. But when he said Casey might join us, I was like, bring the boy. Let me see the boy live and in person. So uh, you tell us a little bit, bit about what you got going on there, my man. Oh, man. Well, Last Wednesday, so eight days ago, this little bundle of joy entered our life, and uh, it's never life's never been the same, never will be the same, and uh, it's wonderful, it's wonderful, and uh, we never thought we could love something so much until this little guy came, and um, and then I didn't realize how how much more my parents could love somebody else until this little guy came in. <laughs> And uh, now, uh, now I'm like second fiddle or whatever it's whatever it's supposed to be, but that's okay. And uh, I also was sharing this with somebody else, saying I don't think I would um, anybody else that woke me up four times in the middle of the night, and uh, I'd be pretty upset with. <laughs> but this guy, I just don't seem to care too much. Yeah, um, you care more and more as time goes on. You know, it's, well, <laughs> it's right now, right? At some yeah. point, it does be like, okay, you've got to start sleeping through the night. Yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm sure uh, many of you've been wondering where in the world has the Crossways podcast been? Well, now you see where the Crossways podcast has been. It's been in a hospital. Um, in holidays, bringing a baby <laughs> in holidays. That's right. Um, do you guys do anything uh, outside of having a child? Do you do anything uh, grand or magnificent for? Christmas or the New Year? Oh, we just spent some time together, uh, our last Christmas without children, and uh, just kind of relaxed a little bit. Uh, we had family in um, around the holidays, but for Christmas, we kind of just uh, kept, you know, kind of took it easy. But then we had some wonderful church members uh, call us up a few days before Christmas and say, Do you like cookies? And I said, Yes, I, I do like cookies. Absolutely. She goes, do you like making cookies? And I said, well, I like cookies that I can put on a cookie on a cookie stone and put in the oven. I said, I, I like those cookies. She goes, would you like to make some cookies? And I was like, well, sure, certainly. And she goes, we have some leftover cookie dough and our cookie stuff to make the dough and your own frosting if you would like to, to do that. And uh, I can drop off everything. It might need some of this and some of that, but I'll have it all individualized in the bags so you know exactly what to use. It's already measured out for you, and I'll drop it off, and you can come pick it up at the door when I leave. And I went, that sounds fantastic. And then we made those cookies on Christmas Eve, and they were delicious. Well, Kaysen so liked I, uh, them. Kaysen liked them? Yeah, well, that's what Catherine said. She said, oh, okay. baby likes the cookies. No. My daughter, who is a senior, um, I don't want to say she's not athletic because she is athletic. You know, she's been a cheerleader and a gymnast. Um, 
but uh, you know, she doesn't play soccer and she played baseball for, for a season. I was like, ah, not really my thing. I'm going to stick to what I know, but she is an official part of the Denham Springs high school soccer team. Now um, she is the manager. So I said, well, exactly. What are your duties as the soccer manager? And she said, well, my most important duty is to make sure that all the guys have chocolate chip cookies to eat after the game. So um, she goes to Sam's about uh, once once every couple of weeks and gets the big tubs. At first, she was making them from scratch. And then she realized that I can really buy this <laughs> tub of cookie dough for about the same price I can get all the stuff. And it's a lot easier to just dump those on. But Yeah, yeah. So, yeah we've, the, but the problem is, though, there is always a fresh batch of hot chocolate chip cookies in our house right now. And it is... It is not the recipe for success if you are trying to uh, watch your sugar intake. No, chocolate chip it's cookies not. Around, so. well, we went up to Gatlinburg for uh, for the holidays. Um, that sounds fun. After our uh, uh, after our football season ended, after right after Christmas, we uh, uh, went up to Gatlinburg. It does sound fun, and we skied. The skiing was fun. I will tell you, if you are planning a trip to Gatlinburg. The week between Christmas and New Year's. Oh, it's terrible! Is the absolute worst time to go. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, we got to go up in the mountains. We hiked up to Tri-State Peak in the, the Cumberland Gap, and uh, it was uh, it was awesome. You know, we love being up in in nature. We like hiking and outdoors. And there's just uh, something special that you see when you're like in the middle of God's creation that way. And so it was good. We were. Came home relaxed and rejuvenated. That doesn't usually happen when we take a vacation. So I bet not. It was a nice little change. Good deal. Good deal. Uh, We've been to Gatlinburg before. Did you get a chance to go around to like Cage Cove on the other side and see some of the wildlife on that end? Um, this time we didn't. Um, but we went up there this past spring and we were up in Cage Cove. Uh, we actually had a mama bear and her cub. We were there for spring break. So for us, it was late April. Um, we came out. We had our dogs with us. So we were walking the dogs up in there. Uh, we came out to go to dinner and we were turning the car around and my wife stopped and probably 12 feet from the car and up on a little embankment, there was a, a mama bear and her cub. Oh, that's cool. It, it was only cool because we were in a vehicle. If I'd been walking my dogs at the time, I can't tell you cool would have been the first words out of my mouth. Oh, well, yeah, she was close. She was close. She was close. And when uh, and when we stopped the car, she swatted the ground and that little cub jumped up the tree. And oh. um, it was like, mm, we ought not get too much closer or we may have to go to a body shop and have some uh, repairs done to the vehicle. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, we were in Cage Cove one year, and I think I was in high school, and it was just, you know, mom, dad, Jessica, and, and myself. And, of course, you know, when the vehicles aren't moving and there's like 15 vehicles in front of you all not moving, bear typically, typically there's a bear. Yeah. And so I was like, I'll get out. I'll walk up, you know, a little bit closer to get a picture because it may not be there whenever everybody starts moving again. So I get up a little ways, and they have – Everyone is out of their vehicles, even up front. And they have formed a semicircle around a bear and three cubs. Oh, goodness. And the bear starts doing that fake charge. 
And this lady is getting kind of close and she turns around and laughs at everybody and says, oh, it's playing. It did that to me earlier. It's not coming. And so I've start putting myself, I'm next to a guy behind the semicircle, behind like one or two cars. And I'm like, okay, if it gets through those people and this car, I'm already in trouble anyway. Yeah, that's right. And so I'm, I'm close enough where I can take a good picture. Well, then this one family decides they're not going to wait for people to get out of the way. Oh, they're not going to wait to get out of the way for a picture. So they complete the circle around the, the bear. I look at the guy next to me and I say, time to go. <laughs> and I just walked off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing there aren't more um, negative interactions. You know, I think people just don't understand. It's one thing to, you know, to be in the wild and to observe wildlife. Um, it's, a, it's a whole different story when you're putting them kind of at risk. But then you take a mother with a cub who has cubs to protect, and and it's just uh, people lose their minds. Yeah, and, and you just yeah. don't realize. I don't know if we really realize the the power that, that some of those animals um, uh, have there and possess. Oh yeah. Uh, well, we're going to talk a little bit today. Just kind of reflect on some stuff. We didn't have any real specific, you know, idea of where to go. So just kind of looking back on on the year and, and some things that we can maybe glean from it and then we'll, you know, just kind of talk about the nature and character of God as we kind of think about a direction and a path to go from here. I, was sharing I think with you. that's great. Uh, it's time for Casey to eat. So I'm going to pass him off. And yeah, right here. Right here. I know you're yep. supposed to come this way. Come this way. Oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear me. I said you passed him the wrong way. I had, my I, know. I, was ready. I know. I know. I, I heard you, but, um, you know, uh, I better listen to my wife. I so, guess so. Yeah. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, you know, uh, we talked about, I love this, uh, this match.com commercial. I don't, <laughs> yes. if, uh, I don't know if any of you guys have seen that. And I threw in the comments here, you know, what are your observations about 2020 um, and what we have or can, can learn, you know, from a year like the one we've had. Uh, you know, but you have this uh, Satan, right, is there and he's on Match.com and he finds his match and the match is, uh, you know, match number 2020. And she goes, you can call me 2020. And, you know, they're eating popcorn and they're sitting on the bench and they're watching, you know, comets fall down over the Golden Gate Bridge and the skies turned red and everything is just going crazy. Um, and she looks up at Satan and says, I don't ever want this year to end. Um, and it just, you know, it paints the picture of what so many people have of a year like the one that we have had. Oh yeah. Um, and I don't know how many times you've heard someone say, you know, wipe it from history, get it out of here. I don't ever want to see 2020 again. Um, flush it down the toilet. There's all kinds of things that people are doing with this year we've had. Um, and just kind of get your, uh, your perspective on, on some of those things. Yeah. I, I think Hmm. I've made, maybe I've even had that thought is, Oh man, this has just been a terrible year. And uh, then, then, you know, during 2020, I would then just have to look at my wife and see the little belly bump and think, you know, I'm glad this year happened. And then January hit and I went, you know, I'm really glad last year happened because this little guy's here. And uh, there's other things that happen throughout the year, but I think we, we like to say, man, 
this is not how I thought it would go. You know, this is not how I thought life would go. This is not how I thought this year would go. And uh, each each month it seemed something else happened that got worse and worse and worse. But then I think some good things happened, and uh, and we can talk about that as we as we go. But I do think there's a danger of wishing away things. You know, you, a lot of movies have even covered this before, and it's like we don't even learn from Hollywood. Not that we should learn from Hollywood, but Hollywood has movies where they're like, oh, man, it, you know, you have that, these second chance movies where they realize, oh, those bad things that happened actually helped me get to where I was today. You know, and you talk to a lot of athletes or a lot of people of, of uh, big status in our, in our culture who have had who have come from nothing or come from brokenness or had some tragedy and they've asked them do you wish that never happened and every single one of them said of course i you know it, did i like it no but if i if it wasn't for that i wouldn't be here today right and i think there's a lot to to look at a lot to be said for that especially in the maybe under the umbrella of how bad 2020 was i think the only question is are we actually going to learn from it? Are we just going to sit in our sorrows and say, wow, life's terrible? Yeah. And, and I think about, you know, like what Paul writes in Philippians 4, right? He says, rejoice in the Lord when things are really good for you and going well. Yeah, um, absolutely. And when, and when things aren't going well, then you can curse it, run away from it, follow it away and pretend yeah. it never happened. Do some things yeah. without complaining and arguing. But in other things, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to grumble. No, you know, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Um, the Lord is near. You know, and he says, and in, in all things with thanksgiving, pre present your request to God and make them yeah. known to him. And, and so my first instinct is to look back and say, okay, let me pick out the good things that I can capitalize on. Um, because let me take that back. My first instinct is to say, it's rubbish. Throw it in the garbage where it belongs. It's a dumpster fire. Let it burn and let's forget it ever existed. That is my mm -hmm. first instinct. And then my second oh, instinct is, is to just say, you know, there's some really good things that came out of that. So let's just capitalize on the good things and then let's just wash away the bad. Um, and I don't really think as not as people of God anyway, I don't believe that is a, a sufficient response either. So. You know, the question becomes then, as children of God, how do we rejoice and have joy and peace, um, even in those moments that, you know, that are, that are terrible or sometimes even tragic? Um, maybe there's a whole lot of evil going on. There's sickness, there's disease, there's death, there's rioting, there's division, there's political unrest, there's religious unrest. You know, there's all kinds of arguing and bickering going on. So how in the world are we supposed to rejoice in that? Um, Absolutely. And, and, and as you said, dumpster fire, and I tried looking it up, it's a video that a friend of mine, Brad Montague made part of the Montague workshop and it. And I can't find just the, the text for it, but he wrote a poem called the dumpster fire in the garden. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen that, uh, I encourage you take the two minutes to watch it. It's had the main character is a little girl who's walking up and she goes, she saw a dumpster fire. It was pretty and it was big and it was bright, but it stank a little bit. And the, the, as she goes through, she 
walks through the smoke and the fog and she sees this lady who's tending a garden and she goes, what are you doing? And, you know, they, they go back and forth about growing a garden versus feeding the dumpster fire. And he goes, how are you going to respond? You know, are you going to continue to feed the dumpster fire where things get worse and, and just, and contribute to the, the nonsense, the hate in the world? And, you know, the thing that I, I'm not, I'm probably more upset with the division in 2020 than I am with COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, COVID caused a lot of problems. It caused a lot of things to shut down. It caused a lot of complications. But I'm more upset with how people responded to each other. You know, you had people who hated each other for, you know, mask or no mask, you know, vaccine or no vaccine. You know, should we shut down? Should we not shut down? But then you had racial division. You had, you know, political division. You had. If it's not, if you don't agree with me, then you're a terrible human being and you deserve to die, people. And I'm being a little hyperbole there, but actually I'm really not. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was awful. And, and that part had me more frustrated, I think, at times. But then we, in our frustration, we then blow up at others and we do the same thing we're upset about. And we contribute to that dumpster fire. And that's this the kind of the slippery slope that 2020 has presented us, at least brought it to our attention because it happened before. It was just magnified in 2020. Yeah. And so I, I look here and the the link for that uh, YouTube video is in the in the comments, by the way, the dumpster fire in the garden. Um, I don't rejoice in the tragedy. Yeah. You know, there there is no joy to be had in the tragedy, but there there are some things that I think that we see. I think there are a lot of issues that we faced as a people, even as Christians, um, as Americans, as world citizens. Um, there are issues that we had that we had cloaked pretty well. You know, we had hidden our biases. We had hidden our tendencies. We had hidden our agendas, you know, pretty well, whether it is because of the isolation or because of the nature of some of the things that we have experienced while in isolation and not in community. Um, because it's really hard for me to say the things that are really on my mind. If I have to show up and see you face to face tomorrow, uh, I'm going to kind of hold back, but if, but if all of my interaction is now behind a computer screen, our interactions at church are often behind a computer screen. Our interactions at work are behind a computer screen. And I don't have to face that humanity. Then as soon as these things come to my head, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them out for the world to read. So we kept those things closed. Um, the hope and the encouragement that I've taken, even from the very negative encounters that have come about, is that the enemy we are facing is in broad daylight now. Um. Mm -hmm. You know, the enemy of division, um, the tools that Satan is using to divide, you know, even Christians from Christians is now not something we can hide behind and pretend it doesn't exist uh, because it is blatantly in front of our eyes. Mm -hmm. And so now I know what I'm up against. Um, I know what we as a church are battling against. And even though the conversations are so difficult and so polarizing, um, because of the things that have transpired, you know, over the last six, eight, nine months, 
we now have a much clearer picture of exactly what war we are we are in when it comes to those things and and that that gives me hope for a resolution it it may seem bleak right now it may seem like we've never been further apart um but the fact that it is visible and obvious gives me hope that um here in the next next few months no matter what transpires outside we as a people because we know you know what lies in front of us have the opportunity to to take a hold of that and begin having some difficult conversations with one another um, yeah. and to begin to address those things that that will unify us instead of push us apart so yeah and and i'll be honest one of the things and and i might get in trouble for saying this but um when does that stop me um <laughs> One thing that's really aggravated me is saying, let's get back to the way things were. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, it said with good intentions, I get it, but I don't want to go back to the way things were if, because these problems that are popping up were problems then. Hey, they've always been there. Right. And, and now it's like, okay, let, let's sure. Let's not, let's go back to being able to meet. Let's go back to not wearing, you know, not having to wear masks in Walmart, you know, let's, let's, I'm okay with that. You know, I get it. And I know that's what most people mean. And that's fine. But I don't want to go back to the beginning of 2020 where there was all this division. Mm -hmm. Let's, I hope when we all can all come together, sitting down and having conversations will be, I guess, more of a priority. Uh, one thing that I really enjoyed, especially uh, early in 2020, when things, when some of the racial divisions were going on and the world realized, you know, world saw a couple of events that 95% of people said that's wrong. And uh, people were saying, we need to have discussions. And they, and we started sitting down and talking to each other. And, and I think we need more of that because that happened for about a month and then it didn't. Then we stopped talking yeah. because then I get in it. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh, we need to do this. Oh, that's really hard. And these are hard conversations. We dumbed them. We've checked it off the box. It's over now. We fixed it. No, we haven't fixed it. Or no, because, and not, not saying, oh, there's specific things we have to fix. Maybe it's just conversations have to continue happening to repair relationships, not necessarily make, you know, legislative changes are you know you know universal changes but maybe it's personal relationship changes in how we treat each other not just in the world but maybe even inside the church building because i think we've also seen divisions as equally of divisive within the church where then but we're not talking about those and something that i've realized when it comes to division because you know we can go to scripture don't have division among yourselves well it's Whenever I disagree with somebody else and there's a division, it's always the other person's fault. They're always the one that's in the wrong. And until they change their mind, we'll always have division because I'm not going to budge. And that can be problematic. But we all think we have the truth. And sometimes we don't go into a conversation with the, the humility to say, let's just talk this through. If you disagree with me and I feel passionately about the other way, I'm not going to get angry with you or upset or impatient. We're just going to talk and find the truth out together 
And then if we can't come to that agreement, well, then we have to figure it out from there in a peaceful way. Not saying we're going to tolerate sinful behavior or ungodly behavior or ungodly things. But sometimes we're very confrontational with those things. Yeah. You know, you said, you know, something about each one of us thinks, you know, that we have the truth. And I mean, the truth is what we have is our experiences. Um, And I think a lot of times we conflate our experiences with an objective truth about what exists. And attitude. Yeah, exactly. And so I have to be able to get into my own experience and to be able to to tell people my own story, my own experience and the things that I have, you know, been through and how that shaped me. Um, and it is true that that is my experience. But just because it's my experience doesn't mean it's yours and it doesn't mean it's someone else's. And so to, to listen to someone else's experience and the things that they have encountered in life. Um, those things it can be true that that is their experience and it can be true that my experience is very, very different. And both of those things can coexist and both of those things can be true, but neither of those things is an objective truth about humanity as a whole yeah. or people as a whole or, or a general, or gener- you can't make generalizations from those things. Yeah. So if we would just be willing to, to listen to people's experiences and learn from it, and embrace those things and say, okay, here's my experience. Here's your experience. How can the two of us make one another better yep. at using those experiences? Um, and it's not a, I'm right. You're wrong conversation that we have to have. It's a, this is what has occurred to me over my lifetime. And this is what has occurred to me over my lifetime. Um, and I can be grieved over what you've been through and you can be overjoyed about the things that, that I have been through, if that's appropriate. Um, and, and together we can combine the, those shared experiences, um, and, and figure out how the people that come after us, um, can be, can be more in line with one another, how we create that sense of, or that presence of unity and camaraderie as opposed to opposition and division. So there's a difference. I'm sorry. That's okay. okay. I think, I think the church has to be, um, the leader in that fight and that conversation. Because there's nothing that unifies people like the cross of, of Calvary. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's nothing. You know, there, there's a difference between, you know, because the, the truth is or the reality is that your experience and my experience can be different and both be true. And, mm-hmm. you know, but we're not saying that, oh, there's multiple truths to God's truth. And and uh, and I think we blurred the line by mm-hmm. thinking my experiences and God's truth are both absolute truths. <laughs> you know, well, right. no, um, God's truth is absolute. You know, when he says, I, I, I expect this, that's the truth. When he says, you know, when, when Christ said, I am the way, he's the way. Mm-hmm. But when I say, man, I've, I've really, you know, and this is true. I've pretty had, a, I had an easy upbringing. I was blessed. I was able to go to a good school. I was able to go to a good college. I, di- I didn't have anything where I was never hungry. I didn't have the fear of going without food. So in America, everyone uh, has the luxury of not starving. Well, um, that's not true. Mm-hmm. And um, or if you just work hard, everything will be fine. Well, I know a lot of people who worked really hard, who just had really bad luck and got beat down. 
and who work real hard to have scraps. Mm -hmm. And I worked semi hard and was very blessed. Why is that? I don't know, but they're both true. And we should be able to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and then come to understanding of how can I be a blessing to them? And then for, for those who are less fortunate, how can I bless them? And for those yeah. who are less fortunate, how can I celebrate with them without being bitter? And that's yeah. the unity we need. And even how do I realize that even in, in my own brokenness, I can still be a blessing to other people. Yes. Um, that yeah. no matter what I have, um, my ability to be a blessing in this world, in my community, in my family, in my church is not dependent on the wealth of my pocketbook or my experience. It, in fact, it's the opposite. Yeah, it, it solely depends on my willingness to be who God has called me to be. Yeah. And, Let's think of the widow uh, or the old, the widow or the, the elderly lady, however it was worded, who was giving. All the fancy people Jesus pointed out were giving those big money bags. They were shaking it up and showing off as they went up. And then uh, I think it was a widow. The widow gave, was it two small mites? Basically less than a penny. You know, this is, this is, you know, stuff we pass up in the parking lot saying, oh, that looks dirty. I'm not picking that up. That's all she had. And she gave it. And he said what? She gave more than everybody else. And, yeah. for the, and he's talking to his disciples. Some of one of them was a tax collector who knew his money. Another one knew money very well. He was in charge of the money. And then you know, others were doctors fishermen fishermen weren't stupid necessarily they, i mean they weren't the most you know highly educated but they had to sell fish they knew about money and exchange rates right they're saying jesus hold up time out <laughs> no 10 you know two is more than one <laughs> right. you know we know that um she didn't give more than they did yeah but he said well, she did we say, we say all that or i say all that to say um don't write off 2020 um, don't throw it away. Don't let it burn. Um, of all the things that transpired, uh, 2020 gives me hope. And it gives me hope because the things that we actually need to fight against are now, they're no longer hidden in the shadows. Um, they're no longer clouded behind carefully chosen language um, that makes us appear more um, loving, kind, gracious, and unified than we actually are. Um, you know, the enemy that we face as, as Americans, as Christians, as humans, uh, the enemy is out. Um, it is out in the open and it is in plain sight. Um, and that gives me hope because we're no longer fighting some, uh, puppeteer, um, that's cloaked. Uh, we know the battle that lies before us yep. and I'm hopeful uh, that we will do some great things in the, the year and the years to come to really advance um, the kingdom um, and and really our our humanness. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping I think so. so yeah. And another thing that, I, that that we've and I've talked about with some other people, and, and I don't mean this, it might come out a little harsher than I intend for it to come across because I do love everyone and I want everyone to, to be a part of the body. But I also think 2020 has done some necessary pruning. And, and what I mean by that is uh, sometimes pruning has to happen for growth. You, you can have, you know, people who are presently there, who are, you know, physically there, but aren't really part of the body. 
who are like that thing that is just causing, you know, that are poisoning the body. Mm-hmm. And we're told to do proper pruning. And this, I think, and, and not to go down a, a big rabbit hole, but I think perhaps we're going to see some who were, who were on the edge of, of you know, dying branches being pruned. And then those who are trying to grow have now realized, have now made it a more of a priority to grow. Um, one of my teenagers I was talking to, I said, how have you gotten through this year? I asked them that, I think it was two weeks ago, because we didn't have class the, the night my son was born. I wasn't going to, you know, Kason was born at 626. My teen <laughs> class is at 730. Um, I was not having Bible class. Um, sorry, not sorry. But um, so two weeks ago, um, I asked them, I said, how have you gotten through? What have you found a good way to get you through a year like 2020? People were like, prayer, reading my Bible, you know coming to events with other, you know, with our teenagers, coming to the Zoom class just to stay somewhat connected. And one of my young ladies, uh, she held up a journal. She goes, I started a prayer journal this year. And I've tried to start prayer journals. They mainly turn to prayer lists. And uh, so I asked her, I said, how have you, how do you keep, and how do you organize that prayer journal? And she opened it up and they were, they were written out prayers. They're paragraphs. She goes, here's a prayer of Thanksgiving. Here's a prayer for transformation here was this and i was like that's fantastic and she I said, I said how has that helped you she goes well it's helped me put things into words help me get it out and you know i'll go back and read it you know helps me th- be more meaningful in how i pray and it's helped me in my growth and i said that's because she had more time she goes, let me try this and now it's for, from the way she was talking uh, she's not going to stop now it's part of the habit. And, and so those, you know, some things have been pruned, maybe even not just pruning people, which is hard, you know, terrible to say, but it's also pruned some things out of our lives, you know, realizing how much time have I been wasting? Mm-hmm. You know, I asked, the, I asked our teenagers, I said, you know, before 2020, when I, you know, when we would talk about why don't we read our Bible more, a lot of the answers would be, well, I'm so busy. <laughs> well, 2020, you weren't too busy. <laughs> your sports were canceled. You know, your activities were canceled. You know, we have a gymnast. You didn't go to Disney this year for, for gymnastics. You know, uh, I would always, you know, even though I celebrate her going to Disney, I was like, that's really cool. <laughs> you know, uh, I said, all that stuff was canceled. I said, how'd you feel that time? Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of us and for, for a lot of people, it was time with God, making it a priority and strengthening. So don't wish 2020 away because then you lose that growth. Right. You lose the proper pruning necessary for growth. Yeah, I agree. On a, on a brighter note, how has um, having a baby changed your view of God and his nature and his character? Oh, my goodness. It was probably just a, f- a few nights ago. It was it was one of the first nights we brought Kaysen home. You know, because one thing to have him in the hospital and, uh, you know, there's a, a nursery there that they can, they help you assist with you, but going home, it's, it's a whole lot different. And, um, we said, I rolled over in, in bed and, and looked at Catherine and I said, has this made you think a little bit more about God giving up Jesus to go to the cross? I said, I've, I've and I said, I've always heard about it. I've always knew that at some point I would understand a little bit more. But I you know, always knew it was it was it was a big a big deal. And it 
And I understood that conceptually. I understood that, you know, somewhat on an emotional level. But now that I held a not just a child, but a, a son and my firstborn right. son, my first child in my arms. And at this point, he's my only son. He's my only child. And then to think, would I be willing to give up this little bundle of joy to save and not just oh save my best friend, but, you know, but to save people who in my eyes are despicable, you know, to, to save murderers. And, to, you know, well, this little boy is completely innocent, has done nothing wrong. And to think about that is to realize how much God loves me. It is something that you can't really describe, but it just makes it a lot more powerful when you think about it. Because um, there, there's no way I, I would, I would give up my baby boy to to save really anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's amazing how your perspective shifts, isn't it? Um, yeah, I remember something that happened when I was a child. I was a, I was probably twelve. Uh, my brother was maybe eight. Yeah, I was seven or eight. I was eleven or twelve. Uh, we're playing hide and go seek in the Rocky Mountains. It's not a great place to play hide and go seek. <laughs> um, we were deer hunting. It was close to evening. We were waiting on dinner. Um, and uh, my brother, my little brother gets lost in the mountains. Um, and it's almost dusk. And they're looking for him. And I can hear him calling his name. And of course, you know, I'm feeling responsible as the older brother. Um, it took a couple hours, but someone had picked him up. Um, he was walking along a road. Um, someone had picked him up and taken him to the ranger station. The man who was at the ranger station actually knew my grandfather. Um, we didn't have cell phones at that day, but, you know, so then the ranger then brought him down to our camp. And uh, I remember laying in the, in the camper that night and uh, my dad was talking to my little brother and, you know, he's like, you know, did you hear all the animals that were out there? It was kind of getting dark. He goes, yeah, I heard them. He goes, were you scared? And he goes, no, I wasn't scared of the animals. Um, and he said, well, you know, what were you thinking? And he said, well, I knew today was Friday and I knew tomorrow was Saturday. And I also knew that we were going home on Saturday. And I was really just afraid that tomorrow was going to go, was going to come and you were going to go home without me. Um, and I remember my dad looking at this, you know, seven-year-old kid, my little brother, and saying, son, you just don't understand a father's love. You know, and I'm, I'm, laying, I'm laying there in the bed. We're all three in this big queen-size bed in the camper, and I'm kind of listening to all this as, you know, the dew of our breath is dripping down off the top of the camper. Um, and, you know, I thought, oh, that's, a, oh, that's cool, dad. What a, what a cool little moment. Um <laughs> and, then I, and then I had my own children, right? I had my own kids. And, you know, as those experiences started coming, I was like, yeah, man, to understand the father's love and understand how much God loves, you know, his children, us. They read the story of, you know, the prodigal son um, and the psalm that talks about, you know, God longing to gather his children together as a hen gathers her chicks under his wings. Um, and when Jesus talks about, uh, you know, the good father who, you know, which father, if their son asked for bread, would give him a snake. Um, yeah. You know, and if you're if you who are human give good gifts, how much more than will your father in heaven give uh, good gifts to you? Mm -hmm. um, 
really does give just a whole new perspective on the nature um, and the character of God. And Oh, it does. Um, I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see this little boy grow up. Oh, yeah. Um, and I mean, I mean him, not you. I'm excited to see Kaysen, the little boy, grow up, right? Hey, Those are fighting being, words, Josh. Hey, being a father, <laughs> being a father makes us grow up a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, it does. But at the same time, um, it can really preserve that like childness, you know. Oh, as, yeah. As you learn to uh, to play and, and enjoy that time with your little ones as they grow. So absolutely. Um, absolutely. it's pretty awesome. Happy for you guys. Um, congratulations and thank uh, you. I, I know there'll be no shortage of pictures for a little while to come. No, no. I I always want, you know, saw some people say, oh, you saw the, the blowing up of pictures online. And I always wondered, am I going to be that person? Am I not going to be that person? And uh, yes, I'm that person. I am and, that person. Uh, and, and, I, and I have no shame, no shame. And if people don't want to see it, they can keep scrolling. And um, I have already had a, your mouse for a reason, right? Yeah. And uh, I have a group of people on a, a chat that I've already said, um, we don't mind seeing all the pictures. If you just, if you want to send them in the chat, <laughs> you know, saying, you know, don't, you know, people start, you know, send them our way and, and we'll keep telling you how, how cute your boy is. And I said, yeah. well, appreciate that. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to it. Very, very oh, cool. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been a good time. I'm glad you had some time to, to rest with some family. Absolutely. And, uh, get to see this little little boy come into the world and um the hard work i don't want to say the hard work's over because it's all hard work but but now the the raising part's fun you get to play with them and you get to see them you get to watch them you get to be there for all those moments and um it's pretty cool definitely definitely it'll be fun and uh we'll see what happens uh last night he slept a little more so that was good and um so he yeah. wasn't so here's he what you have to get used to. Here's what you have to get used to. There's going to be like three questions that you will be asked every time someone, how are you sleeping? Yeah. How do you think I'm sleeping? I have a newborn. Is he sleeping through the night yet? Um, no, because he has to eat every two to three hours. <laughs> so those are the two questions that you will get almost with probably every encounter, you know, once you kind of get out into, into public. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because it's almost like they're asking you as they laugh, knowing what your answer is. And I'm like, you know, there's one, a few things that I, that kind of bother me sometimes. And it's asking a question you already know the answer to. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, maybe, the answer. maybe they're just hoping you will surprise them with something different. It's like, no, actually, my son was born with the magic ability to go eight and a half hours between, you know, 12 at night and eight in the morning without needing to eat. And so we're sleeping perfectly and he's sleeping through the night already. And he's actually still gaining weight, even though he's missed several feedings. <laughs> <laughs> cherish, uh, cherish every moment, man. I know everybody says, and everybody told me, it's like, ah, oh, don't blink. You know, it'll be gone before you know. I'm like, yeah, I know, but man, it's true. Um, oh no, don't tell cherish, me that. Cherish the moments. Um, don't, uh, don't sacrifice them. Don't miss out. And, uh, It'll be good. It'll be good. You can be a good dad. Oh Kathy, yeah. Be a good mom. And you Absolutely. definitely have the support structure around you to uh, make it happen. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh man. Well, Josh. <laughs> That's all I got. Go, uh, <laughs> go take a nap. 
if if uh if Kason was getting ready to eat, that must be mean he's about ready for nap time. So you got to go take a nap too, right? That, that's what they keep telling me. But I have a problem sleeping in the middle of the day. I do too. And um, they say sleep when he sleeps, but I just have a hard time sleeping in the afternoon or even in the morning. It's just when I'm up, I'm up. When I'm asleep, I'm asleep. And uh, I can go back to sleep in the middle of the night. But once I'm up, um, if I if I go to sleep now, I'll never sleep at night. <laughs> and um, well, Catherine, uh, Catherine looked at me I, the other day. You know, that advice is probably more important for Catherine than for. Yes, for, for Catherine you. it is. And she sleeps a lot. But, you know, Catherine looked at me. I think it was yesterday. She goes, are you not tired? And I just started laughing. And I was like, well, yeah, but I mean, I also have more energy than most people I know to start off with. So my tiredness looks like normal people. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, I better head off. It's time for us to, to log off anyway. And then it's also time for me to go give Kaysen a hug and a kiss. And if he's sleeping, I'll let him sleep. And then I'll do some more housework because that's important too. That's right. <laughs> well, hey, we shall see you guys later. All right, man. Bye, guys.